0: Yesterday, we celebrated the feast of St. Matthew. Tomorrow, the feast of St. Padre Pio. Nice little sandwich here, in which we consider the importance of humility. St. Matthew was a tax collector. Basically, people despised him. He had to go around extracting taxes, imposed by the Romans upon the Jewish people. And he was a Jew himself. Some even consider that he may have been skimming from the top, from his own people, doing injustice to his own people. And as we know, the Lord goes to call him. And with uh, that promptness, Matthew, in all of his, we could say misery, he responds, He gets up and follows the Lord. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he sat at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with Jesus and his disciples. Wait, wait, what just happened? With that simplicity, with two sentences... You can even make it one sentence, really, in Latin. Matthew responds to the call of Jesus. Now, this is from Matthew's gospel. He's the one who's writing about his own vocation. There's a certain humility in that, a certain simplicity in the way he describes his yes to the Lord, but that was a life-altering decision, a life-altering yes that Matthew made. And that takes humility, because after all, humility is not. There's a certain caricature of humility, right? Well, okay, if I gotta be humble, I gotta sort of you know, lower my head and hide away. You know, I'm the worst. I'm not gonna do anything. Let the others who are more talented than me or smarter than me do everything. Well, no, that's a caricature of humility. There's certain pride in that, in a way or certainly laziness anyway. But no, humility is offering ourselves to the Lord. as St. Teresa of Avila would say, walking in the truth. And in this case, the truth is, well, Matthew has been called by the Lord. And he, he follows him. He walks in the truth. Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life we want to walk with you to follow your way want to live your life and god resists the proud and gives grace to the humble so let's strive for humility walk in the truth be ready to serve be ready to put our life out on the line i mean matthew already again in this brief account of well of his vocation but then immediately speaks about this banquet that he holds this meal that he holds. And he, people come that are his, his acquaintance, his friends, tax collectors and sinners, and Jesus. And already the people are, the Pharisees in this case, are, are complaining about this Matthew. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? How dare he? If he's this master that you follow, what is he doing hanging out with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard this, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. It's nice here, in this case, how our Lord puts the focus on the people who need him, the people who will benefit from from his love, the people are open. The sick, he refers to the sick and those in need, like you and me, my brother. We are sick and we need the Lord. We need to be healed, and that—that's that, where Jesus has his focus. He, he well, though, those who have no need of a of a physician, well, okay, there they are. But he said, real people need the physician. Real people, like you and me, we need to be healed. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. How good Jesus is. So here we are in this this wonderful oratory here in Manhattan. Jesus, in the tabernacle, you're so humble in your your presence in the Eucharist, your body, your blood, your soul, your divinity, is the humility of Jesus. He invites us into his life. And even in that calling of Matthew, there's a certain humility that we see in the part of Jesus himself, or at least in the way it's depicted in the painting, the famous picture Painting by Caravaggio, I'm sure you've all seen it, the calling of Matthew. Our Lord is there, Peter by his side, and the Lord is stretching out his arm, pointing to Matthew. And there's been wonderful commentaries about that painting itself, including, well, who is Matthew? And there's about three or four fellows at the table. There's one that seems sort of obvious, uh, that... Probably is Matthew looking at our Lord with a, with a surprised look on his face, as if me, you're calling me. But anyway, the, that aside, just the figure of Jesus Himself or or Peter. Because in that painting, which is in a church in Rome called in a church called Saint uh, Saint Louis. Um, there's a little side chapel there. Those chapels, you got, to, at least when I was there years ago, you have to put in a, a, some lira. I don't, know, I guess lira don't, don't exist anymore as euros now. But anyway, you have to put in some coins and the light would go on so you could see the painting. And then after about 30 seconds, it would go off and you had to put in more coins. But anyway, in that painting, Peter, you see more of St. Peter than you do of our Lord. He's standing next to him. You, just see, you see the Lord's face, you see his arm pointing out to Matthew. But you see all of Peter who's standing next to our Lord, and he blocks out, I can say it that way, blocks out the figure of our Lord to a great extent. And Caravaggio did that with a purpose. He's telling the viewer through Peter. You see Jesus through the church. You see Christ. In that sense, there's a certain humility on the part of Jesus. Look to Peter. Of course, later on, he says, "You are Peter. Upon this rock, I build my church." And at the moment that our Lord appears to them in the upper room on the very night of his resurrection, there's Peter there with with the other. Well, at that moment, it was another nine because, of course, Judas Iscariot had already betrayed him and sadly taken his own life. And Thomas was out. So there they were, the 10 of them. and And our Lord says to them, peace be with you. I send you out. Whose sins you shall forgive, they shall be forgiven. This is Peter and the others who, except for St. John, had abandoned him just a few few days earlier during his passion, his suffering, his crucifixion. The the humility of Jesus, counting on these, these fishermen, to carry out the work of the church and not not complaining, not holding it against them that they were so fearful that they were not there at the moment of his passion. We are called to imitate Christ. And Jesus, he even says so explicitly just a few chapters later. Of course, the calling of St. Matthew is in Matthew chapter 9, then in chapter 11, our Lord in his preaching, he's, he says to them, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lonely in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart. Learn, look at me. Jesus is is God. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. We'd be fools not to look to him and try to learn from him. In our pride, we can go on our own way, right? That's, That's the great danger. That's what, well, that's what Satan did. He wanted to be like God. But in the saints, we see this humility, this willing this willingness to you know, imitate, try, to imitate Christ, to walk in the truth, to be of service, Jesus who came not to be served, but to serve. And how, how inspiring that is to see that in the Saints. St. Peter himself, of course, St. Paul. St. Paul, he called himself the least of the apostles, undeserving of the graces that he was receiving, but he worked, he 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 lived out his humility precisely by going out there and trying, trying to proclaim the, the, the joy of the gospel to the people around him. That's what the saints do. They tell the story of a a little girl who was with her family traveling in Europe and they were visiting a beautiful cathedral and the light was shining in through the stained glass windows it was a sunny day and they were inside the cathedral and you know, the, the multiple colors of the stained glass windows coming through and she looked up and there is this this depiction of people up in the stained glass windows and and she said, Mommy, who are they? And, and she said, well, those are the saints. Was obviously, images of saints there in the stained glass window, those are the saints. And The like girl was mesmerized by the colors and everything. And then later that night, when, when the mother was tucking that, that girl into bed, it, she was still mesmerized by that image, the stained glass windows. And then she said, she said, the little girl said to her mother, the saints, people who let the light shine in. Am I letting the light shine in? And the people around me, I mean, I don't know, Lord, help us to pray, help us to open our our heart to you, help us to make a good examination of conscience. Could could people in our life, the real people in our life, the people we live with, our family, the people we work with, hours and hours per day, perhaps, could they say, well, so-and-so? The guy who lets the light shine in. Or maybe I'm going to get get away from him as soon as I can. Let's let the light shine in. Jesus wants that. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine. And it's not our light. It's the light of Christ. Of course, that too from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5. And that too might sound like a, a temptation to pride in a way. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden nor do men light a lamp and put it under a bush a bushel, but rather on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That's got to be there. If we just stopped at good works, oh, wait a second, that people may see your good works? I thought we shouldn't let our left hand know what our right hand is doing. Well, the light is from Christ. And people should see Christ in you. The good works, the works of service, of charity, of of forgiveness. St. Josemaria, another saint who let the light shine in. He received, like so many... Including like Padre Pio, who we celebrate tomorrow. But Saint Josemaria received slander; people spoke ill of him. A lot of, a lot of times, the saints have to suffer jealousy in the part. Well, in the case of priests, a lot of them are other priests. Anyway, Saint Josemaria received plenty of slander when he was beginning Opus Dei there in Spain in the late nineteen twenties, nineteen thirties working with young people telling them hey you can be a saint right where you are sanctify your work be a good student be a good worker you can be a saint right there and that that wasn't all that common to hear back in the day and anyway some people and a lot of people or anyway people (laughs) weren't used to hearing that and they would speak ill of him so much so that he would say to A fellow priest who worked alongside him for many years, Blessed Alvaro. He said to Blessed Alvaro, I I feel like a spittoon. People seem to feel that they have the right to spit upon me. Wow. And yet he just kept working away. He just kept working, kept going. He, He writes that and it might be from personal experience, like so many of the points of his writing, in this case in, in, in his book called The Way, a, a spiritual classic, in, in point, number, point number 14. Don't waste your energy and your time, which belong to God, throwing stones at the dogs that bark at you on the way. Ignore them. There's a, there's a certain humility in that. You, you've got work to do. Don't get all uptight. Don't get all sensitive of what people say about you. Just keep working. Keep praying. Keep evangelizing. You know, Peter, he could have quit. Well, in a certain sense, you can compare St. Peter and, and Judas Iscariot. They, they both had denied our Lord in that key moment of the passion. But who's more humble in the reaction to, to that failure? Well, that we can't judge the soul of Judas Iscariot. Thus we leave that to God. But he despaired and took his own life where St. Peter wept and basically, Lord, forgive me tears of sorrow, tears of repentance, and he became a great saint, and he served the Lord, and he died for the Lord. And he went forward. He he ignored the dogs that were barking at him along the way. Almost, say, or King David, he did that almost literally. When he was traveling with the soldiers. There's the two factions, you know, David and and the other, the House of David, and and... and I'm sorry, the house of Saul. And that fellow comes out and starts to, he starts to curse David as he's traveling along. And one of David's faithful servants says, let me go and throttle him. Let me go and lop off his head. And David says, no, let let him curse me. Perhaps it's for my good. Perhaps God has ordered him to do this. Leave him alone. And the guy continued cursing David. So, humility, we have our work to do. Some people will say, great. Some people will say, you're a fool. It doesn't matter. We, Lord, we want to follow you. You, Jesus, you're the, you the way, the truth, and life. St. Peter, after our Lord's Eucharistic discourse in John chapter 6, many disciples left him that day. They drew back and no longer went about with him because it was a hard saying to eat his flesh, to drink his blood. It's foolish. But Peter, he, go, he he's there, and our Lord gives him a chance to go away. Will you also go away? He said to the twelve. And Peter said, Lord, to whom, to whom would we go? You have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe that You're the son of God. We're staying with you. That must have been a humbling thing for St. Peter. Maybe those disciples who had gone away were still in earshot and started jeering at him. You you fool, you're going to follow that madman? It doesn't matter. Peter's with the Lord. Peter has faith. Peter has humility. St. Elizabeth writes in Furrow, It is Peter who speaks. Lord, do you wash my feet? This, of course, is the Last Supper, the prelude to the Last Supper. Jesus answered, You do not understand what I am doing now. You will understand it later. Peter insists, You will never wash my feet. And Jesus explains, If I do not wash your feet, you will have no part with me. Simon Peter surrenders. Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. St. Peter still doesn't get it. He still doesn't understand what our Lord is getting at here. He's the master, and he's doing this menial task, washing the feet down, down his hands and knees. But Peter surrenders. Faced by the call to total self-giving, complete and without any hesitation, we often oppose it with false modesty like Peter's. Lord, who are you to, to wash my feet? I'm not worthy of that. May we also be men with a heart like the apostles. Like the apostle Peter. Peter allows no one to love Jesus more than he does. That love leads us to reply thus: Here I am, wash me, head, hands, and feet, purify me completely, for I want to give myself to you without holding anything back. That's humility. That's imitating Peter. I'm, I want to go for it. I want to give my best, Lord. You've called me. I don't want to. I don't want to hide away. Some sort of false humility. I want to be out there and. Being out there is good. We're going to fail. We're going to we're we're going to make mistakes. Any of you who have been in any business endeavor, you experienced that. You got to get up and keep going. If not, if we don't even try, you know, we'll be just sort of stuck in our own little safe space. Christians don't live in safe spaces. Christians are out there, and and they get ridiculed. (laughs) They get, like St. Josemaria, he felt like a spittoon. So, okay, don't don't throw stones at the dogs that bark at you. Keep going. You've got work to do. There's a lot of joy, a great joy in following the Lord. And, of course, we want to show that to the people. Let your works show that people... Well, let people see your good works. See, let them see your light shine. Let those beautiful colors come through the stained glass window of your life. And to mesmerize people a bit, As Christ. as Christ who does everything. But people look at a St. Matthew, or people look at a Padre Pio, a St. Padre Pio. We'll celebrate tomorrow and say, wow. Wow, that, that guy is really cool. You know, that, that guy really loved God. He, he really sacrificed himself. Of course, he had the stigmata. Uniting himself by God's will to the suffering of Christ, he in his his humility, he kept wrapping up, wrapping up his hands. He didn't want people to see uh, the stigmata, which was a sign of closest to Christ, and it really hurt the, the stigmata, those wounds in his hands. It really hurt, and he he doing his, his living his vocation. He was called, in his case to be a priest and. You know, God gave gave him uh, certain graces. He could you know, read souls. He could locate oh, For the glory of God, all for the glory of God. The point is not to be a you know, showman, some sort of saintly showman. No, but it's to serve God and serve people. You know, those, there's a picture of him with pilots uh, from World War II who were somehow saved, miraculously saved. They should have been shot down. I, I don't know the whole story. I can't remember now, but they met Padre Pio later he's the one he was that that man floating up in the sky that protected us. you know <laughs> Saint Padre Pio serving the Lord and helping souls and giving his life to god that that's humility, being available uh, serve god uh, and that that's a great life it's, it's, it's a great joy, yes, the cross comes with it to be sure we you know, the Christians we have the symbol of our faith is the cross. Jesus died on the cross. And, well, we want to, like, like those martyrs, like the saints, we want to be willing, in, in our way, perhaps now, the crucifixion or getting beheaded, but we do want to embrace the cross in our way and the way that God offers it to us. And in that way, yes, bring light to many people around us without us even knowing it We will ask our blessed mother to help us to be yes to be light of the world as jesus says mary is a great light if we look to mary wow she just she loves god she she's not a goddess she doesn't want any fame for herself she wants us to be close to god Man, like we see this beautiful painting here she's gazing upon god she's gazing upon jesus that's that's the life of mary I mean, even looking at her, you automatically look down to Jesus. Just looking at her gaze, oh, where was she? oh, there, oh Jesus! It's about—it's all about Jesus. Mary, in her humility, teaches us that. So indeed, let's learn from her, and above all, let's love. Learn from Jesus, who said, "Learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart." I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations that you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.